PC load letter. The fuck does that mean? Um, so yeah. Uh, well, we'll see how much of this we go into on premiere because premiere is the thing that messes. Yeah. Up it's problematic, our, man. Our stuff the most. It's um, so weird that it cuts out the audio driver for other apps or not even other apps, just yeah, audition. You'd right. I think that Adobe would handshake each other and say, yeah, man, I'm with you. Sure. Um, and you know that yeah. there's a post somewhere on the uh, on the help page, and it's just some canned response that says, "On our computer, it works just fine." You know, the majority of people don't have an issue. So, could you please trace it? And he's like, "I'm not going to trace it back. You should yeah. be able to tell me why. It's your own software." The problem, Justin, is that you and I we're risk takers, <laughs> but Adobe wants us to be cautioners. <laughs> this is Jimmy Epub. <laughs> Carbon See, scoring here. Looks like you boys have seen a lot of action. Suck <laughs> <Slide> my balls. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, welcome back, Jimmy oh, Pod. Man. I have a little bit of housekeeping. One of which is this week's guest is Andrew Capra. He produced the People Mover record. is an incredible musician, singer, songwriter himself. Uh, down in the Nashville area now. Uh, he moved down there. I want to say five years ago. We talk about it in the interview. It's a terrific listen. If you want to even just jump over into that, he's a huge Jimmy Eat World fan, and I was glad to get him on the show. And we talk about the Menzingers a lot. Um, he was the first person I told that Susie and I were pregnant. Really we were on tour in Flagstaff, <laughs> and uh, he and I went to dinner together. Just he and I. And I don't know, Addison and Nate went somewhere. I don't know what. And, and Andrew was playing as like a touring member of our band. And so um, he was playing all the keys. And uh, he and I were sitting and I was like, I mean, like, we don't know each other that well. So I can just tell you. <laughs> oh, is that what made um, you feel comfortable, huh? I guess. Yeah. Like, I just didn't feel like this. Uh, I really like him and his wife, Monique. Like, they're just great people. Like, they make me feel like a good person worthy of being. Like, I almost don't feel worthy of being their friends. And they're just, like, the best people. And so it just felt like the right person to tell. Like, I wanted to tell somebody, obviously. I was so excited to tell. Um, and what a and, good feeling, uh, though. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, oh, I had mentioned, remember how I had talked about going through the stacks of records and CDs at Amoeba and being like, why would I want this Bleed American Deluxe Edition oh, yeah. with Jebediah Split when I own the Jebediah Split? Well, <laughs> this week's song is on that Jebediah Split again. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so I found the Discogs entry. There's Out of all the Bleed Americans, I opened all of them. You saw most of them in my time lapse that I showed you. Out of all of them, there's only one entry for this version of the CD, which was released October 26th, 2004. It's a it it's a CD. Uh, it's a dual jewel case that's in a white cardboard sleeve, like it's like a deluxe deluxe edition. So the first disc is the eleven tracks of Bleed American, and the second disc are the six tracks of the Jebediah Split. I mean, awesome for Jebediah to be put on this CD, but this CD is so readily available. It is not hard to find. It's like an incredibly easy Bleed American Deluxe to find, at least at Amoeba in the mid-aughts. <laughs> but um, I remember seeing the CD so much, and I was like, why would I want this? Um, I'll share with you the, uh, the, the listing here. 
and uh and yeah i just this this image of this cd itself is just burned into my memory and on the back they have the jebediah and jimmy world artwork um and i think we even have a copy of this version of the cd but it's there just it is a, <sighs> man what a wonderful sight oh this is singles plus jimmy Eat world jebediah split that's what this is <laughs> shows how much i know um it's the singles cd plus jebediah split and that was what it was and i was like why would i want to own this version of singles so wow this is uh this is like that time i said that guy died and then he didn't <laughs> die i just no bitched myself uh, um, <laughs> but uh so there oh my god they're in mike martinez is uh, not for those dead. of you yelling at your podcast player uh i got there <laughs> everyone's like what this was never packaged that way. Uh, this is an incredibly readily available version of the singles album. And uh, and I owned both of these separate of each other. So why would I own this version? But of course, I also owned this version. So, um, so yeah, there it is. Um, that's all I have for housekeeping, unless you have anything. Uh, uh, not in the last 24 hours, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the song is Cautioners. It's on Bleed American the uh the final uh in its final form uh also performed live on the mississippi nights bootleg uh it's on the jebediah split it's on the good to go ep and it is uh on the uk and irish version of the singles album so that probably is why they then did a repress uh for the u.s version they're like yeah put those songs on there too oh well we don't want to reprint all the cds and eh, just glue the <laughs> the the ep to the thing or whatever I, I'm, now i'm trying to remember was it a dual ju- jewel case or not i'll have to give housekeeping on that i'll have to go find my singles slash jebediah split and uh, well and they, they have so, the slim the slim doubles right which is just the folding it's the one double-sided they do uh, like but center i don't leaf think it was plastic, that right? i remember it being a thicker a thicker thing i'd have, okay. to, have to go get the box that has that stuff in it Track 9 of 11, never forget, on uh, Bleed American. Track 13 of 13 on the UK and Irish version of Singles. And I even went and found, uh, there's some great scans of the UK version of Singles. And it's just funny seeing a different track list on all these different versions of the record. And then uh, track 3 of 3 on the Jebediah split. uh, Or 3 of 6, I guess. Um and it was re- the good to go EP is the only release date I put on here. Did you get the Bleed American release date? It's in 2001, but uh, good to go EP was released February 22nd, 2001. And the version on the good to go EP is the quote unquote early version or demo, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you have the Bleed American release date, Andy? Just what I have here is the July 24th, 2001. I mean, that's the, that's one, uh, yeah, that's more than I have. I have a blank space here. <laughs> yeah. Um, produced by Mark Trombino and Jimmy World, recorded at Cherokee and Hard Drive in North Hollywood. Um, the early version was recorded by Jim at the Kenneth Room, as was our previous episode. Uh, written by Jimmy World, singer is Jim. Here are the players on the track. Rich, Ricky Birch, of course, on bass. Zach Lind on drums and percussion. Tom Linton on guitar. Magic Box is performed by Mark Trombino. We'll get into that and what that is. Uh, Rachel Hayden has some backup vocals on this, which is which are incredible. And uh, vocals, guitar, percussion, and organ are Jim Adkins on the uh, final released version of the track. I think, 
I don't know for sure because it just says drums Jim Adkins on the uh, early version. But that kind of makes uh-huh. me think, like, did he just play everything <laughs> on the uh, <laughs> original version of the song? Um, so uh, label, it was um, uh, a DreamWorks release, the uh, Bleed American. And what what did I say last week? I just didn't even fill it out because I was like, eh, it's the same. Um for the uh this was uh, an industry for outer space or was that the publishing company that was the publishing company you had said uh, oh man now i can't recall either <laughs> uh i'm gonna look there's no information on uh who the label is big wheel recreation thank you um uh, so that's the uh, split version. Uh, Turkey on Rye, and I also wrote that, so it's got to be, do I get a pickle with that now? No. The ASCAP page, this is very rare. Mm. Most of these old tracks that we find, say, Turkey on Rye on one version of the release right. have been updated to be, do I get a pickle with that? The ASCAP page still says Turkey on Rye. It also lists DreamWorks as a performer of this song. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> as a know, performer? Man. Yeah. Oh man, my good that, old DreamWorks. That... <laughs> I love DreamWorks' voice on this track. Yeah. Um, there's there's a few entries that are a little skewed. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this still says Turkey on Rye music. Let's click on Turkey on Rye. Anderson Mesa, Authority song, Beautiful is Bleed American, Call It in the Air, Carbon Scoring, Cautioners, Digits, Drugs Are Me. I mean, quite a few tracks are still attributed to. This is so weird. Like I'm not gonna find a uh, like Diamonds not on here, right? Like there's not gonna be no. But like, yeah, why? Why? And you know what? I feel like, like Jim would have no idea. He he wouldn't even no be able to way. say. He's like everyone no, in the background. Yeah, all these it, it's been Turkey on Rye still. That's odd. Huh. Um, I'm not finding anything like post futures. Turn twist. No splash is on here. Turn turn what? <laughs> turn twist. Oh, splash turn and twist is a different entry than turn twist. Turn twist. Wild man. <laughs> But both of them are Turkey on Rye um, music tracks. So, yeah, interesting. Reason 346, baby. There's two entries for Reason 346. And they're both stylized or written out the same? Mm-hmm. Weird. It's not like 346, yep. comma, Reason. I just reason. did a, for, for, for my sake, I did a search for uh, Birch just to hold down Shift-Enter while I uh, looked to see if there were any other entries for Re- ricky birch's name here and it does not appear as such <laughs> oh ricky <laughs> okay so that's enough for ascap but uh yeah still turkey on rye um the early version uh that was included with the bleed american deluxe re-release and uh the it was attributed drums were attributed to jim atkins shall we listen to a little bit of the early version let's do it now this one is available mm-hmm. on spotify on the deluxe version did confirm that song. Oh, like. I guess I didn't really look on Apple Music because I just kind of, you know, have it. Um. <laughs> and it, <laughs> it's just labeled as the non-LP early version. I see. That's how it's See, uh, that makes built. sense. It's the non-LP early version. Whereas I feel like we've seen non-LP tracks before and it was like, what? What does that even mean? <laughs> of course it's not LP. I, uh, it wasn't ever on a CD. Whereas this one was at some point um do you happen to have a handy or shall i pull it up uh yeah i do i it's right in front of me here we'll listen to the beginning of this (laughs) 
And this is only this is less than four minutes. This version yeah. of the track. It's so subdued. Those Very. chunks that we know of the song are just on the bass. The echo on the drums, man. Yeah. And I think it's just Jim singing a yeah, right on top harmony. of himself. Man, Zach with that mallet work. In what way? Oh, oh the oh, just like warming up the symbol. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Or is it Zach? Because Jim is attributed yeah, yeah. to the drums here. But it could just That's be true. that he. It could be an overdub. Warming up the cymbals. <laughs> yeah, baby. So there you have it. That's the non-LP early version. Still That's a right. great listen. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's kind of a bummer when it fades out early. Um, yeah. It just doesn't have that outro that, that uh, we we will talk about. Um, yes. Fun. Uh, there's some great tweets about it. Um, they've played it 35 times. Uh, first time on record, according to Setlist FM, was August 13th. Which so it just had its twenty first anniversary the the playing of this um, uh, at the El Rey Theater in Los Angeles right here uh, most recently played September fourth twenty twenty one at the Ace of Spades in Sacramento California That's no so notable sweet. high notes listed <laughs> the Ace of Spades um, you know the uh, uh, the Phoebe Bridgers uh, song uh, she mentions uh, Lemmy. Yeah, yeah. Of spades. Mm. Uh, it's terrific. Uh, notable low note of F sharp three E three. Okay, two hundred and eighteen point nine thousand listeners have scrabbled this one million times. Um, so that is a uh, a quite a heavy hitter for them. Uh, Thirty one of which were for me. How many do you have? Oh, surprise! I only had eighty three for this one. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> a fake fun. Um, did you happen to pull Spotify numbers? I did. So they're they're kind of um, so just to give you an idea on the deluxe edition disc to the non LP version has four hundred seven thousand listens, all right. The regular version, so track nine, uh, has nine hundred thirty nine thousand listens. Now on back forward here, on the re- regular Bleed American standard, it uh, this track has three million listens. So that one has a lot more. Uh, it's been on Spotify longer. Uh, but still, it's got, uh, I mean, the, the middle and Bleed American and Sweetness are definitely outliers. But it fits, it, it falls, yeah. um, it's the it's the least listened to track, just looking at the numbers on this album. Yeah. It does not get the, yeah. the, um, the respect that it deserves. Yeah. I'm going to see, uh, there was a non-LP version on Last FM that I just looked up. It only had like 200 listens, which makes me think that that's... That ain't right. Um, I want to see what I can find. It is, though, their 23rd most popular song on their uh, page. Um, and I hearted it on Last FM. Cautioners, huh? Wow. Yeah. 
How many loved tracks do you have? Oh, I guess that's, you know what it is. Uh, I don't know. This is sorted by last seven days. So it's possible uh, that it may be even higher up on the list. So yeah, here's Koshner's non-LP version. Yeah, only 1,442 scrabbles. Uh, let's go to all time for the band. Search for Koshner's. Number 15 is their 15th most popular track. How do I see how many likes I have? wonder why it doesn't get I that many likes. I haven't liked a track in a long time. Yeah. I only have uh, 20... 442 loved tracks. Oh, you got a whole bunch. I only have 25. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I stopped. I think yeah, I stopped liking like, them after a while. Like a Cautioner's early version. See, okay. Cautioner's early version has 28.2 thousand scrabbles. So who knows? Um, and so let's get a little bit of structure stuff out of the way. A major sure. key, 11 B Camelot, 114 BPM, five minute, 21 duration for the bleed American version. And my notes here are the twinkles, the chugs, Jeez. that drum beat. Um, it's got it all. And man. I did want to know, I did want to mention one of the hardest things when you're becoming a musician, especially a guy in a band is you start to realize like, Oh, like what the good drummers do versus the, you know, what a, what a, elevated drummer does and one of the things i really appreciated about travis barker was the asymmetry that he would have like the things he would do on his hi-hat were very different than the kick patterns he was doing and travis barker was the first person i noticed but i didn't really ever get to i could never figure it out because it was all too fast this song i'm pretty sure is the first song that ever taught me like asymmetrical rhythms for like how to do one thing with my right hand one thing with my left hand and a different thing with my you know right foot or my left foot um and uh because it's slow enough that you're able to kind of take in all the things that are happening this and probably adam's song had a lot to do with it too this is like definitely the most adam song of <laughs> of yeah drum beats that zach has done and probably um, why they were almost uh almost 10 drum covers for this song <laughs> because oh, of yeah. that ability it's to a, just yeah it's a, it. it's a vibe yeah yeah it's a you really can get in the pocket with this one yeah. Um, and then I made a mention of the magic box. I had never really thought of it much before, but I think while I was taking note of all of the instrumentation that was done, um, I uh, I went ahead and looked. At, I'm glad and I'm glad you mentioned I, I guess it. my ear perked up. Yeah. And I was like, oh, magic box. What could that possibly be? And then during the bridge, I was like, oh, it's got to be this. Yep. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll talk about the magic box in a little bit. And uh, and shall we jump into lyrics? Let's do it. Now, on this track, so, there isn't a whole lot. Right. I'm going to pull up. I'll, I'll, I try to. Uh, it's hard when there's two versions, but I have the early version lyrics and the liner notes version against the genius version, which I can't imagine the genius isn't using the liner notes, but let's find out. Yeah, I want to see it. Was there any commentary? I don't think there was on genius. Yeah, oh, just there was. One. Just the, one. On, yeah. Yes, correct. From Ryan Uri. Yeah. Uri. Uh, a month Ryan ago. Ryan Uri. Ryan Yuri. Okay, so we'll go over so, that. Uh, All right, so yeah, not a lot. Um, is this in the beginning? Let's see. Yeah, so I'll I'll cover uh, Ryan Yuri's perspective on this when I uh, reach the sick. the end of this verse. So we've just got uh, two verses and a chorus here for a song that's over five minutes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, so here here's how verse one goes: the time I would spend with pictures I would not send. I watched you go from left to right. I followed you all night across my blinds. Man, so pretty. Uh, I think this sounds like 
he can't bring himself to communicate with this person. Or he's he's at a point in his life where he's done communicating. I just can't share any more of my life with this person. And he's watching her from afar, crossing crossing um, his blinds all night, back and forth across his blinds. I think there was yeah. somebody on uh, when I went through song meanings and they thought, how creepy is this song? He's watching That's them from afar. But <laughs> nah, I think if, if you really thought about it, crossing his blinds all night uh, across my blinds, those could be his eyelids. That could just be looking. He could just be oh. peering at this person, watching this person exist and thinking about all these things that they've been through and how much he loves her and uh, what happened. And it's almost like that uh, the cautioners is the is that warning sign that you see, right? Now, let's see. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I never really thought about what the name of the song means versus the lyrics. So I'll keep that in mind. Okay. Yeah, I think I think it uh, it's very relevant here. Now, uh, Ryan Yuri says, uh, in regards to, I watched you go from left to right. I followed you all night across my blinds. Uh, Ryan says, this creates an image of someone watching their ex-lover as they pack their things, move out. The other lover watches this happen powerless from a window between the blinds. So if it is literal... Like he thinks, same. I think it could be the same. It's just you're watching somebody from afar, and they're oblivious to you. So they're they've got their own their own agenda. And in this case, maybe this person is packing up, um, or or this person just can't 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 realize that it's finally over with this other individual. So kind of a sad beginning here. Uh, and then the chorus rings out like this: "You'll change your mind come Monday." And turn your back on me. You'll take your steps away with hesitance. You'll take your steps away from me. Now, did you ever think he was saying you'll change your mind come someday? Come one day. That's no. It. Come one day. Uh-uh. You'll change your mind come one day. Because I thought, there's no way he's saying Monday. Sure enough, man. <laughs> Jim is saying Monday. Yeah. You'll change your, your mind come. Yeah, uh, no, I never like, thought one day. That's great. Yeah. And a couple <laughs> songs ago, weren't we just talking about Sunday? <laughs> Oh, that's so right. I think at the end of the week, and it's just we like, should put a week uh, a playlist together of all the all the days of the week <laughs> that are mentioned, right? And we've got Monday, so you'll change your, your mind come Monday. Once you wake up after the weekend's Tuesday over, songs, you'll see. turn your back on me. And and so they were a thing, but they've since grown apart, and she will disappoint him inevitably somehow. And maybe he's yeah. seeing her make these conscious decisions that push them further apart. I don't know if she's doing it. Well, he, you know, in, in my interpretation consciously so she's she's maybe driving a wedge between them making it difficult for them to try and find common ground so if you don't don't covers tuesday sorry (laughs) so we got sunday monday tuesday (laughs) uh oh the song wednesday wednesday there we go that was from uh was that from the original it was at the self-titled now when i search for thursday cautioners comes up he doesn't say and then episode four that he doesn't say thursday on here right no, it's because the lyrics for a song by Thursday are. Oh, on that page. there you go. The band oh, we could never I think, think we got of. as far as Thursday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, well, there's still we've got what three days? Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Yeah. We have four days. Four days. We got the majority yeah. of the days out of the way. Think about it, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> no Friday song. Oh, uh, no. oh, uh, usury. Yeah, I, I, there was a fr- on a Friday night, right? I don't want to be up there on a Saturday night. Yeah. So we've got yeah. Friday and Saturday in one song. So we're just we just, we're just missing Thursday, yeah. Oh. And then uh, no Saturday. I mean, if you want to oh, yeah. count, if I don't you want to be there for the Saturday song. night, right? Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, good job. 
Good All memory. Right. Yeah. The lyrics, okay, man. Days of the week covered. Great. <laughs> days of the week. Two. Days of the yeah. week. <laughs> All right. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. And then the final verse here is uh, usually there's, there's, there's stages, just like a film. Jim does a great job. Uh, sometimes when there's the bridge, he'll have that moment of uh, that turning point, the moment of clarity. And then there's like the outro, which is like the all of the dust settling. Well, in this case, we don't have that bridge. We just have verse two. But I still think it has that resolute, um, that ending when we get to the the uh, the last line here, which I think is is beautiful. I'm making my peace. I'm making it with distance. Maybe that's a big mistake. You know, I'm thinking of you. I miss you. And he's becoming okay with this growing distance. He has to. Uh, and maybe he feels remorseful should he be fighting more for them uh either way she's on his mind and he misses her regardless of all of this and that's the last unique line before we get back into the chorus and then this beautiful non-lyrical bridge with a a grip of oz in there and that's when um that's when we have why rachel rachel hayden popping in This part, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's funny. I was like, "Oh, I must have downloaded that." Must actually might be the instrumental version. <laughs> and uh, then one la- one final time with the chorus, and after he says for the last time, "You'll take your steps away from me, from me," and then it just it it the whole thing just dissolves the whole song. So can we talk about that real quick? The uh, let's since we're done with the lyrics here, I think it's a song about. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a, it's a, just a song about people seeing these warning signs and then uh, and then drifting apart. Okay, so I told you I got goosebumps, right? <laughs> yes. This is why I got goosebumps, David. So this is what you and I are used to hearing here. Let's see. Okay, here we go. Let me go to the end. Here's a five, I'm going to go to five. 10. And we were talking about these twinklies, right, David? And you said, yeah. you're anticipating authority song coming up, right? Yep. It cuts. Yep. A beat, and then we go into the authority song. That's what I was waiting for, the moment that you said that. And yeah. then, did you listen to the deluxe edition version? Uh, I don't know, why? Check this out. So it's got an extra 16 seconds. Let me jump to the same spot. Here we go. So right about here is where we would expect it to end. And my mind did too. Dude. Yeah. So they let that fine, dude. Yeah. I got the chills Good when they point. kept going. I thought, well, I've this never is when, heard. This, now, we talked about this when we were like a remastered Bleed American. What does that even mean? I don't know. That, I don't know that there's anything different on this version. Well, fuck, you found it, dude. These are the 16 seconds, yeah, that, that could change at least this song. And who knows yeah, Who knows what other little things they said. You know what? We're going to throw in that Farfisa underneath. <laughs> Did you find anybody online that had found this? Or no, I couldn't find this? it. I checked 16 seconds, dude, deluxe edition, longer. Job, dude. Nothing. So maybe that's a that's a happy find for us there. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, Great once it kept going. Justin. Thank you. <laughs> 
it kept going and my mind just my ears they've only been waiting like 16 years or whenever those (laughs) (laughs) someone finally noticed (laughs) yeah there it is that remastered version is finally out oh beautiful so yeah that that was uh that was why i got the uh the chills when i (laughs) was listening that's great man (laughs) Um, I thought so you were going to tell me to jump to another song no. or something. <laughs> or like you get that thing where it's like you put you put your uh, music on shuffle and like you expect to hear one song, but actually the song that comes after it works just as oh, well and yeah. better. I than, mean, how and it could be a different artist or something. Or What yeah. percentage of the time do you say you, you turn on shuffle? I don't ever turn on shuffle, but what I will do is like um, I would well, I'll do mm, then no. If I'm going to a playlist that I'm familiar with, I'm almost always hitting shuffle on it. Okay. Um, which is already a random group of songs, but I don't want to hear them in the order that I always hear them in. If I'm listening to a record in full, what I'll do is I'll turn on the the smart play after, and then it'll like play songs like yeah. what I was just listening to. And right. it's basically a radio station based off of what I just listened to, which reminds me a lot of what RDO used to do. Yeah. Apple Music is so close to being like audio what they need to have and i don't know does spotify have this where like if i'm listening to something on my phone and i want to pick up exactly where i left off on my computer it just picks up or yep. if i close like it, so spotify does that it does yeah Damn. if i have the app open if i have killed the app then it has to load it up and i think then it gets kind of confused it, it loads up the song that i had queued but it doesn't pick up where i left off but if I'm switching from I device want. to That's device. That's what RDO is so good at. RDO would yeah. pick up right where you left off all the time. I still haven't found a, yours is called like continue play. I think it's called continuous play on, on Spotify too. Um, that's one thing that I I'm, I just, I still have a gripe with as far as Spotify goes is when when a song end, or an album ends, it plays, it's already calculated or built a song, a playlist based off of that album or song that i listen to that will never mm-hmm. change it never changes so when i listen to it i can i can li- i'm going to listen to the same songs in order which oh, gets kind of annoying interesting apple music doesn't do that it makes a call like it all it only ever queues up two songs and then it bases if you listen to those two full songs it'll choose the next two songs because you listen to those all the okay. way through if you skip it'll sort of like re It'll reevaluate. Okay. okay, this isn't what they were into right at that moment. That's kind of smart. This one is the same. It just it's almost like a playlist that if a playlist does not exist, it creates it, and then that just exists in their back end mm. forever. Which is uh, and I never noticed that about audio. Couldn't find any other tool to repeat that. Their their continuous play was the best that I had ever listened. It to. really. I discovered so many artists yep. on audio and. I mean, well, Spotify's social features are much light years beyond what Apple Music has right now. Audio's like, I could always just see what my friends were listening to, and then yeah. I could just queue up those things. And then, like, yeah. I could even tell it, like, when you play a bunch of stuff after this, play some of the stuff my friends are listening to. Like, I want to hear, like, what they're... Like, I, Birdie was the big one that I had discovered on Audio. Um, I don't know if you had heard of Birdie. Um, she is a, uh, a very, like indie singery type chick that did a bunch of covers and i think she had done um a i want to say a phoenix cover and it was so good let me see if i can find it real quick yeah she does have a lot she's birdie wow she birdie. covered skinny birdie Love. i found on audio for sure yeah 
1901. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was the first song. That was the first single from them, wasn't it? Yep. And then it was Listomania. The cover is so good. Yeah. Oh, and she has The District Sleeps Alone tonight. Does she sound like she's singing uh, with no accent? No, I think it's very accent. Oh, good. I love a good British accent. Sounds like Coldplay. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, when I think of RDO, I think of this yeah. album. Yeah. <laughs> driving music right there oh yeah i know it sounds unrealistic but i would uh i would rather have a band that just lives at the house and when i walk in they just start playing songs like that and it would just be like i'm gonna go cook a hello fresh this is amazing like i guess the same thing would be a radio but i guess the fact that there's live musicians and it's birdie in my living room these great we have a great 1950s console um that sits under my tv it's got uh, you know, um, a record player on one side, a, a tube radio on the other. Um, and we just set shit on top of it all the time. <laughs> it's like, we can't, we're just like, you know what I mean? Like it was easier yeah. when we didn't have kids, but it's just like kind of by the door. And it's just like, we even put something next to it to try to put stuff on that. So we didn't put stuff on that <laughs> stuff. still goes on. <laughs> no, no, Cause the idea shit. is like, Oh, if I put it here, I'm going to move it because it shouldn't be here. No, it just stays there. Yeah. I know those tables, man. <laughs> <laughs> just forever collecting. Oh yeah, man. man, what a bummer though. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the fact that I have to walk. I don't have to walk in and think about it and turn on like a stereo or something. It's just you walk in and there she is. Yep. Oh man, I have a radio over my shoulder here that it looks like an old tubed radio, but it's just basically a, a thing that it was at our grandma's house. So we were like, oh, it's oh old I was gonna say, doesn't that like, like hey, have no, does it have USB or anything? <laughs> No, 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 not like that. Not like a Crosley or something. This is just like, it's probably from the 90s or something, but it's made to look like it's from the 40s. But uh, the light just went out in it. I got to open it up and see if I can. It's probably oh, look like at you, Tim Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, this needs more power. <laughs> I could put a subwoofer in this, honey. <laughs> uh, so, oh, no. Okay. Um, so uh, let's talk right. about Jebediah. Um, yeah. Uh, Harpoon is their third track on the split, so I thought we'd listen to a little bit of Harpoon. And there's a music video that we can watch together. Oh, sweet. On Watch Together. Here it comes. Ooh, hand-drawn art. It's got 85,921 views. This 
uploaded at some time in the past. July 9th. Oh, only 2020. One of the most beautiful, timeless songs to ever come out of Australia. Lovely to have it pop up in my YouTube feed again. This got played on Triple J this afternoon. I really like this song. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Oh, shit. I like the aesthetic here, too. The black and white bright light. Yeah. Sick. I dig it. Great job. Jebediah music. Jebediah. Oh, Jebediah Vivo. <laughs> um, here is a mouthful that I got from the Wikipedia. Cautioners is a five-minute electropop song that messes, meshes electronica and rock. It channels the sound of the cars and recalls the quieter songs on Clarity. An earlier version of the track released on a split EP with Jebediah was centered around guitar strums. The version on the album features a heavy use of decay, which Adkins said sounded computerized. The drums were made up of several loops that were made at Cherokee done over the course of a few days. I just got reminded that they actually talk about this. I'm going to find something uh well maybe you read an article or something <laughs> okay i remember uh, we the articles the, the what was that go ahead i can go ahead and read through the article since you started with the wiki yeah yeah, yeah. uh let's see so the first thing oh it was an interview uh on chorus fm with oh. jim yeah with jim atkins uh this is uh interviewed by absolute punk 2007 july 27th uh it was actually no, Tom, actually. just za- actually, it was uh, Zach, Rick, and uh, where's Jim? I thought Jim was in here. No, nope, just Zach and Rick. That's all they could get. Shoot. <laughs> all right, let's see. Where do they mention this? Let's go down to the bottom. All right. So uh, let's see. So you guys big fans of hers then, too? So they're talking about Azure Ray, Maria Taylor, because that's, I guess, who opened for them. Um, one of the other things I'm interested in is this, with all the successful items in your catalog, does it surprise you that people seem to latch onto clarity so much? Everyone seems to discuss uh, it as the definitive Jimmy World album and something that is entirely genre-defining. And Rick says, yeah, I don't know why that is. It is a little surprising. Uh, And then uh, Absolute Punk goes on to ask, is it something you guys agree with yourselves? And Zach replies with, I think clarity is probably the first record where we made... What we had, where we had a little bit of experience under our, be- our belts, it wasn't really overthought. There is something kind of spontaneous and fresh about it, but I don't necessarily see how it is that much better than any of our other albums. That's my perspective on it. A lot of songs on, uh, a lot of albums are really kind of interchangeable to me. Like Blister from Clarity could have been on Bleed American, and Cautioners could have easily been on Clarity. I think it's sort of a time and place thing. It's an album where a lot of our fans came to know us through. And there is definitely something to be said for that. I think back when I listened to my first Wilco record, which was Being There, is one of my favorite if fi- favorites because of Discovery. So that's the first mention that we have of Cautioners potentially being on Clarity. I don't believe that will be the last. 
Now, I did see in, oh, what do they have in the Wikipedia here? Oh, yeah, let's see. They copied that. Um, the other thing Found is. what I was looking forward to, by the way. You did? I did. Okay, let me finish this. So this is just the commentary um, on Wikipedia. You had, re- you had read the one below specifically on um, cautioners. This one mentions, let's see where it is. Ah, yes. Oh, yeah, this is crazy. Author Andy Greenwald said the album dealt with self-medication, more specifically the Jim Adkins diet, where music, any music, equals salvation. Uh, He noted that the majority of the songs in the album are sung from a second-person perspective. Toward the end of touring in support of Clarity, Adkins began having what he thought was a heart attack. It was later revealed to be a panic attack for which he had to take medication. The incident inspired some of the lyrics throughout the album. Rachel Hayden of That Dog lent her voice in Hear You Me, If You Don't Don't, Cautioners, and My Sundown. So that was just the other half of uh, the wiki and yeah. Wikipedia content there. What did you Thank find? You for, yeah. Okay, so this is the retrospective that's on the Believe in What You, Believe in what you Want DVD. And at 30 seconds, they talk about cautioners. At the studio at Cherokee, there's this really small like drum chamber. And it was like soundproof. And it was just dead. And so we set up stuff in there. And I think a lot of the cautioners' um, sounds were taken just from drum hits. I mean, you can hear that... Just a symbol on a hi hat, but it's actually just I think a symbol. Yeah, like on the demo version of this that we released on um, the singles compilation, it was it's all like you know it's all stuff like that, but it's played. And what we did with this one is we just basically recorded um, you know kind of the same idea we have with the drums, like going just letting it decay, kind of making it sound like really computerized and and. Uh, it's kind of funny because cautioners is, cautioners is basically the same song as a praise chorus you just kind of don't realize it um i had that i had that kind of idea for like the you know the Dynamics are treated a lot differently. Praise chorus is a little bit faster, and and it's obviously rockified. I. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like us doing the podcast. I know. I love uh, when it's, people. It's kind of like this. <laughs> I love when people talk with guitars because they'll they'll show you something and then they'll let you know and then they'll play something else. <laughs> Hear that snap? You know, like yeah. Hear that, <laughs> Hear that pop. <laughs> <laughs> they use this on pet sounds. <laughs> same same stuff they used on pet sounds. <laughs> you know, you got know? this chair at Electric Ladyland. <laughs> you turn around and go, that's the one. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, lots of Twitter discussion um, here. Here's Zach Lind about the drums themselves. Cautioners, this drum performance is really a loop cut. Uh, obviously, we just heard him talk about this, but this is uh, a tweet from July 23rd of last year. This drum performance is really a loop cut up with different samples we recorded at Cherokee. We are were so locked in. We had three extra days of time at that uh, at the end that we had already paid for. 
So he messed around and re-recorded the samples, tried weird sounds, hashtag Jimmy Eat World. Uh, a lot of the weird sub stuff and low fluttering is all Mark. So cool. He's amazing at that kind of shit. <laughs> uh, since you bring that up, do you want to go through, um, where I know we're kind of bouncing around stuff, but do you want to listen to that, that uh, musical instrument underneath, the one that you found? Uh, yes, please, let us. Okay. So, first you had said uh, the magic box, right? And that's how it was labeled on both Discogs. Everywhere. Yeah. 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 Mark but, Trombino played the magic box. But So I searched for magic box instrument, didn't come up with any results, right? Then I searched magic box, Mark Trombino, just to see if there was some kind of tool or some, some software that he used. But no, right. it, you were right. It was way more... Um, it's a, it's way more of a uh, an organic not organic but it's it's a an instrument it's not a, a electronic instrument per se uh, and it's I couldn't find anywhere where it was named the magic box but the shrewdy box came up a lot and I do now, it believe was magic box in quotes so maybe it was just the slang in the studio it, right yep and this is what yeah. it actually is and the way that this we're gonna listen to uh, Kalani music. Before we listen to it in the in the bridge, I think we should listen to Kalani music and get an idea of what this instrument sounds like. Um, yep. Let's do this and watch together. I got to jam it or move it ahead, though. So let me just push this ahead because the timestamps don't work. Gosh darn it. All right. Here we go. It. Next up. An in um, welcome. This is called the Shruti Box, and it is really one of my favorite instruments for recreational music making, music therapy, and even music education. It's an awesome instrument. It's pretty simple. It's a two-sided two -sided instrument. Well, most instruments have at least two sides, but it, both sides are functional in this case. One is a bellows. This is the bellows side. So in this way, it's kind of like just filling up with air on one side. And then this side over here, is where the sound is produced. And if I watch, if I pump this side, the other side comes out. Oh, look at that. It's pushing air. Away. Yeah. Now, it's going to stay out well. because um, I haven't opened any of the sound holes. So if we go and open these holes, we will hear the sound. Now, this is a C, and you can see this is laid out like a piano keyboard here. These are the white keys, these are the black notes on the piano. So this is chromatic. I can open another note and get this lovely drone wow. of a C and a G or a beautiful. And the sound is <laughs> produced in a similar way to a harmonica <laughs> or an accordion uh, or a melodica. It's very simple and very beautiful in a lot of ways. And I love these for drone In a lot of ways. use these for singing, yeah. uh, to sing over. And one of my favorite things is to turn this towards me and sing with it. I'm going to leave it turned towards you so you can hear it. But you can just start humming. Let's listen to him. Go to work. Really lovely for personal music making or small group music making. Sometimes I'll take this over to my music therapy clients who are in wheelchairs or, or, or bedridden. And I'll bring it really close. And we'll get into this little sound bubble. It's very intimate. And we can hum and sing to each other with this as the background. Let's see this. 
the hell is he doing? He's doing like a didgeridoo sound with his mouth. I think he's got his tongue lightly oh. almost pressed up at the roof of his mouth and he's making like a whistle with a hum at the same time. Episode. Yeah, baby. <laughs> uh, well, so that's the magic box, huh? That's right. That's the magic box. The Shrewdy box. Why the Shrewdy hell does Mark Cody not have one of those? <laughs> he just has, you know what? I feel like he has a van and it's just, he's got it's, like. Or uh, laying around a Cherokee or hard drive. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what's this cool box? Uh, do you want to listen yeah, to it know, underneath? It <laughs> In the track? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is it. I'm going to play Cautioner's. Um, and it shows up right around 3.07. So let's listen and see if we can hear it underneath. Is there like a guitar feeding back with it, or is that all Magic Box? I think it's all Magic Box, but it's oh it's, man, it almost sounds like somebody's like like got a tube amp and they're standing up next to it and just like holding a string down and like kind of. Uh, I'm not a good enough guitarist to tell you like what that's called, but well, and I think that's one of the that's one of oh let me make sure I'm gonna just double check this while I before I say the wrong thing here. Uh, Cautioners was an A major, right? And the way that Jim kind of plays that, even in the bridge, the chord progression, and he showed it in that little demo, um, was he comes back to that A major, right? There is a part mm-hmm. when he goes into the minors, like there's that minor, but then he comes into that and that's when the A major comes back. And I think what they just did is they let that thing sit and play the A. And so you yeah. hear the twinkles on top of that, but it almost gave that illusion of like you were saying that description of uh, just holding something in front of it, like just yeah. somewhat distorted. But maybe it's just all the sounds swirling together. I don't know. Yeah. Until we hear yeah, it, it isolated. Yeah, it does. Here's another tweet from Zach Lind. Now, this came out November 16th, 2017. My guess is it's in reaction to this November 15th, 2017 article on Rolling Stone called the 50 greatest pop punk albums. And if we go ahead and search for Jimmy on here, you get at number 25, Bleed American. After the vaguely experimental cult classic Clarity, Jimmy Eat World challenged themselves to go simpler, and the result was Bleed American, an album that helped introduce the band and a new wave of pop punk to the mainstream. Reissued as Jimmy Eat World after 9-11, the album is a collection of catchy anthems that rely on the genre's truest themes, alienation, death, growing up, uh, 
love found and lost and the simple comfort of singing along with your favorite bands. And in late 2001, there was no song more inescapable than the album's second single, The Middle, which was crucial to landing the band everywhere from TRL episodes to Taylor Swift's headphones. I wish every kid who goes <laughs> through those same feelings of loneliness could hear how Jim Adkins sings, says Taylor Swift, who eventually covered it with Adkins himself. So that's what was posted in Rolling Stone the next day. Zach Lynn posts, please enjoy some of our most ripping pop punk classics like Hear You Me, My Sundown, Cautioners, and Your House. Hashtag for fuck's sake. <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah. Uh, and uh, not one to mince words. Yeah, pretty good. And then uh, I actually wonder if this is Courtney from the Facebook group. Uh, one of the greatest things about your songs is the way they can just keep taking on new meaning in life to me. It's why I can never pick a favorite, maybe Disintegration. Your House is one I rediscovered recently. It's so good. And Zach says, thank you. Thanks for listening. Um, so, yeah. Fun to see these interactions with the fans and the band. But, uh, yeah. For fuck's sake. Yeah. Hashtag for, yeah, fuck's, for sake. fuck's sake. Uh, I just imagine just shaking his head when he says, for fuck's sake. Yeah. <sighs> now, uh, the one thing I remember from this track is that Zach loved a drummer. This was February 12th, 2020, relearning how to perform Cautioners Live by watching this. You found this guy, right? So we, we had watched that. Uh, do you have the, is it in a tweet as a video? Uh, it's it, He does link to um, a YouTube video, so I'll put it here and watch together. Okay, Let's good. watch there we go. this person. This is Adventure Drums. Cautioner's Jimmy Eat World Adventure Drums drum cover. And Zach found this guy and tweeted about him. So let's take a look. Oh, what's going on? Why am I in the middle? Adventure Drums presents the Blair Logie series. Oh, I don't know what that any of this means. He's doing this all with his right hand, essentially. Yeah. The only thing he's doing with his left hand is cymbal grabs. So he's got a crash cymbal, a pretty large crash cymbal above his hi-hat. And he's doing a cymbal grab, which is creating that uh, sound. This looks so complicated already, man. It is. That's what's so fun about it. Yeah. You can see what you mean. And it's not fast. Yeah. It's really making you practice this technique. Yeah. What's nice is it's a groove, so you can play with it a little bit. Like, he's switching hands a little bit on the hi-hat and snare, but you would notice if you weren't watching him. Right. And now wow. he's getting the ride going and doing everything with his right hand now that he was doing it, or with his left hand that he was doing with his right now. And his right his right hand is just riding the ride. So he's hitting and grabbing with his left hand. And chewing gum. Like oh, looks yeah, like he's just like looking like completely sexy chill. weird Al over here. Well Yeah. Yeah, it's just looking like Weird Al. Weird Al's always been sexy. Yeah. Who am I kidding? This dude has 80s dad aesthetic on yeah. lock. Um, 
Uh, and then Adventure Drums uh, says, I do Skype lessons if you want. Hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that conversation. Oh, so good. So good. Uh, oh, and then, dude, our own Discord, Angela, says, new respect for this song. That's quite the technique you use, and I've never noticed. Hashtag shame on me. And Zach says, none of the album uh, version is performed. It's all individual samples on a loop. And <laughs> Angela gives the... Uh, the oh oh my goodness yeah. guy <laughs> um so uh yeah exactly. pretty good um so uh then there's some follow up so that was february of 2020 uh oh february 25th 2020 now this is right when covid's about to hit yeah. uh, while i think adventure drums cautioners cover is a cooler way to play the song i had to make some departures to find out what i did You'll have to buy tickets to a show and hope to get lucky that we'll play it. Smash that link. And then Zach follows up immediately. Okay, the main difference is while I think the cymbal chokes are cool, <laughs> and in some ways more like the album sound, the chokes don't do the sample cut offs justice. So I opt for hi hat closing instead. Shrug. Yeah. And let's actually Never see. Uh, oh, what did I say? Look, I said something. As long as we get some more drum cam videos, either way works. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, those are sick, man. Seeing that from yeah. his perspective. And uh, yeah, so I was trying to see if there were any more cool. <laughs> this guy says, that's how I thought it went until I saw the Adventure Drums video. I had trouble keeping the foot footing clean, though. That choke feels more fluid when I play it. Plus, it looks cooler for an added bonus. And Zach says, it looks way cooler. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. It it looks. I mean, that's how Travis Barker does shit. Like where you're like, I didn't even know you could do that with drums. Yeah, now, obviously, like cymbal chokes are pretty like common in like metal, like um, what Master of Puppets, uh, right? What bah, we were bah, just bah. About. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to do that with that the China baby. That little. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. Travis Barker it. has a lot of great cymbal grab stuff. Um. Uh, so yeah, super cool. Um, more tweets, shall I? Go ahead. Since we're in Twitter land, uh, Zach Lind about the end of the song. Zach says the bridge of this song to the end is maybe my favorite moment on the album. It feels like a dream. Uh, and this was July twenty third, twenty twenty one, for the twentieth anniversary. Uh, and uh, no real uh big replies there. But Jim also posted from the uh, band's Twitter account. There's a device we are always trying to get that happens at the last chorus of Cautioners. That feeling of, whoa, I've just wandered into this big, expansive sound and I don't remember how I got here. Hashtag Jimmy World Jim. Um, so that is uh, uh, that. I'm going to go ahead and give that a retweet. Um, yeah. <laughs> I like to give people an idea of what we might be working on. <laughs> I see. I sorry. I keep seeing Harrison Ford trending, and I'm like, did he die? What's happening? But nothing is really happening. All I right, just good. don't see Not anything happening in his life except for he's just trending for being Harrison Ford. I guess. <laughs> so thank uh, goodness, nothing to report, <laughs> which is good. I'd, I'd rather there be nothing to report. Uh, right? Yeah. Uh, let's supposed... actually go double check. Latest. Uh, yeah, nothing happening. All right. Was it? Uh... Uh, oh man. Who was it that was on Kevin and Bean that would do his impersonation of? <laughs> oh, Ralph Garman. Ralph Garman. Is that Ralph Garman? Listen, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. 
What did he say? You saw uh, David Blaine perform at yes. uh, Callista in Harrison's house. Yeah. Get the hell out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's really good. David Blaine helped uh, Addison propose to Kaylee, which was pretty exciting. Oh, yeah. Was that? Um, oh, yeah. I saw the uh, the pictures and stuff. How beautiful. Yeah. That was, and, yeah. And Nate, Nate shot that. Anyway. Um, uh, okay. This is a top five uh, song to perform for uh, Zach Lind. Uh, let's see. So what is this? Uh, August 4th, 2012. Whenever I hear someone say Namaste, I immediately think of Eddie Pep. Oh, we just talked about this. Um, and then Miles Warren's Peacemonger says, revisited some old Jimmy World today. Zach Lind, what are your favorite song? Five songs to drum. Ah, I think this came up when we did evidence, I guess. Because... Um, uh, in that top five was Goodbye Scar Harbor, Cautioners, Evidence, Your New Aesthetic, and Disintegration. So I think it was, I think we came across this tweet when we did Evidence. Mm. So there is top five. Um, uh, only a couple left, but this very popular song on the Twitters. Um, oh, yeah, man. Jennifer Highland says, Been lucky enough to see you guys a couple times in the past year. Looking forward to May. Break out some Cautioners in uh, Michigan. And uh, Zach says, yeah, we need to get cautioners in the rotation. Been too long. That was March 2nd, 2017. And it has come back into rotation. Um, And lastly, there is a deleted tweet. Right? (laughs) My favorite type of tweet. Uh, Bleed American came out 17 years ago. Crazy. This is July 24, 2018. Crazy. Uh, You think that makes you feel old? Shit, man. Anyway, let's do a quick uh, bleed-themed Q&A. Go. And unfortunately, the tweet was deleted by the Twitter author, but the response was cautioners. Yeah, <laughs> which I would have loved to have known what was said there. Now, hold on. Let's let's I'll bet there's a way to get it. I'm I, you know what? I spent tweet. about five, go five good minutes org. of my life looking for a way to do that. Really? Yeah, I searched the archive, archive for this page. Now, the archive for this page doesn't exist. Um, it's, it was a bummer. No, there's got to be a way. I came I across an archive tweet once, and I was like, well, I don't want this version of the tweet. Uh, let me copy that link address and see if that does anything. Try it. Archive tweets from deleted accounts. Doesn't even have to be deleted. Yeah. See, it says go in the Wayback Machine. That's the first stop I made. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Let's see. Yeah. What if I just uh, leave in the username? Let's see. Katie and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna message her. What date? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> what was this about? <laughs> what date was that tweet? That was from July 24th of 18, 2018. Uh, yeah, July 24th. Let's see, 2018. Yeah, shoot. There was one snapshot in July 18th, but I won't have it if it even has okay. it on the screen. So, uh, Katie in color. I'm, I'm responding to her right now. What did you ask? <laughs> oh God, I don't remember. Yeah. Lots going on today. Yeah, this is not going to have it. That's Maybe a bummer. Maybe it was as simple as like, what's your favorite song on the record or something? All right. Um, yeah. So I think that does it for Twitter. And that's all I have for cool. um, uh, at least track notes. You read some articles. There were a couple. Um, very brief ones. It's almost like with this track, it's more of a mention of it. Right. Exactly. You know? That's yeah. all I had was blurbs. There is a cool blurb, though. Um, Jordan's number. On the Uproxx Top 30. Um, on the Uproxx Top 30? Cautioners? Jordan's number. number. 
Oh God, 23. <laughs> I yeah. thought you were saying uh, that was the article that, or the, the person reading it. Yes. Michael Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Jordan. Um, uh, while it lacks the experimental reputation of its predecessor in many ways, bleed American, uh, refined the advancements of clarity for use in form fitting pop structure. Isn't the palm-muted riff of the middle really just a major third's take on the palm-muted riff of your new aesthetic, which itself was a tighter version of the one on Rockstar? There was still room for their spacier, more sentimental ideas, which were now shaped into show-stopping ballads, every bit as purposeful as the singles. And I've often wondered whether Jimmy World were so enamored with the infinity loops of 10 that they just imported them verbatim onto cautioners. This is the weird one on Bleed American, sandwiched between their overt homages to Cheap Trick and John Cougar Mellencamp, at once immaculate and 8-bit, regal cymbal washes misting over Lynn's mechanical drums, guitars nicked from the Joshua Tree, and a bass line on loan from the underground of Super Mario Brothers 2. <laughs> Real quick, as he mentions the weird one, I actually talk about that with uh, Andrew in our interview. Like, this is kind of the 555 of Blue uh-huh. American, maybe. Uh, and I mentioned how we like to talk about, like, oh, it's like the 555 of that record, the outlier, the one that's kind of weird. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, to finish this up. All the more fitting for a song about trying to stay firm and resolute as your insides turn to mush. I'm making my peace. I'm making it with distance. Maybe that's a big mistake. You know I'm thinking of you, Adkins admits. As the curtain falls on their final chorus, the guitar loop just keeps ringing. It could go on for twice as long as Goodbye Sky Harbor, and I'd allow it. After all, what is cautioners but endlessly watching the one you love slowly walk away without ever really leaving? Did you look up the word cautioners at all? I did. And it's someone who warns. It's a, uh, yeah, it's what it sounds okay. like. It's yeah. Somebody who warns you. Yeah. What did they use? Uh, or That's what Adobe did. wants us to be. They want us to be oh, cautioners. <laughs> we are risk takers, David. <laughs> we want to live. Um. All right. Um. What else? Do you have any other? Yeah. I mean, like I got said, three. Just- I got three brief blurbs here. Yeah. Uh, one from, uh, I felt like we read them the other night. This is Entertainment Weekly. Their, their music. <laughs> uh, Bleed American, Jimmy at World by Laura Morgan, September 7th, 2001. It looks like a rating, so she gave it a B. Whereas Blink-182 and crew trade in punk pop built on masturbation jokes and muscular riffs, this Mesa, Arizona foursome's equally effervescent tunes are bittersweet, not bowdy. The emo-edged Your House and Cautioners will appeal to the sensitive guy who stops to pick his girlfriend Daisy's. Fizzy, wallop-packing rockers such as the title track in the middle will please the dude who thinks that crushing a beer can a can on his brow impresses chicks. A fine balancing act. Emo-edged. I get that. And I see what you're saying about Cautioners being 555. It is, it is very much the one that, in the past, like early days, I was inclined to skip. Oh? You know, not all that I did. I was inclined to. That's where I would stop and go, do I like this song? And then it just grew on me because you start getting familiar with their other catalog. And Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other one is from the Austin Chronicle. Uh, September 6th, 2002, Christopher Gray, Sugar on the Asphalt, Jimmy World, Bleed American. Uh, this article is a year overdue. Last July, an album slipped into record stores so anonymously one never would have guessed it was issued by mega label DreamWorks. And then goes on to say, uh, Jimmy, uh, 
The album continues to hang around the middle of Billboard's charts and has, in fact, gone platinum. The reason it is the reason is as simple as its song structures. This unassuming, tune-filled album has effortlessly plugged into the zeitgeist in a way few recent recordings have. Earlier this year, reviewing their appearance with Green Day and Blink-182 in Dallas as part of the Pop Disaster Tour, Spin called Jimmy Eat World the soundtrack to everyone's after-school special. There's more truth in that flip statement than the writer probably intended. Jimmy Eat World's prevailing themes are things people don't like to talk about or even think about. Emotional indifference, missed personal connections, absent friends and loved ones, moral dilemmas, the basic struggle to get through the day without going to pieces. Two representative refrains are, you'll change your mind come Monday and take your steps away from me. Cautioners. And are you listening? Sing it back. Sweetness. So just uh, regaling, or, uh, enjoying this album a year later. Uh, the yeah. last one was from Brag Media. Talking about Bleed, Bleed American, this was uh, July 24th, 21. Tyler Jenke goes down and says, From a musical uh, a musical point of view, though, Bleed American was almost perfect. With, while singles such as Bleed American and The Middle stole headlines, the likes of Sweetness and A Praise Chorus served as often underrated hits of the era. With frontman Jim Adkins' powerful voice belting out alluring melodies while a blissful din of pop-punk instrumentation crashed around, Meanwhile, the group showcased a softer, more heartfelt side, too, offering up a tribute to a pair of late fans with Hear You Me or flirting with heartbreak on Cautioners, which had previously appeared on a split EP with Australia's own Jebediah the previous year. I don't think we so, talked about how uh, Jebediah was from Australia last episode. Yeah. Although, I mean, I don't. I guess I'm not familiar with downtown Australia, but there was a picture we looked at, was it yet last night? Uh, and it was it was the lead singer walking in a parking lot oh yeah but i mean there was nothing behind them was there yeah that's what i thought i was gonna say that that looks like downtown dallas to me dallas texas <laughs> yeah but it, I, could be it was probably it was probably somewhere in uh yeah, perth in or something like yeah that. perth there you go that's just the first australian city i can think of that good i'm going there. with it all right, sydney and and perth <laughs> <laughs> um all right um so that that rounds out our article yeah, segment. Yeah, that's we got right. that. Yeah, shall we jump into community? Let's do it. This is what I've got from Alf Goes Wild on song meetings. They were upvoted three times. Did you see Alf Goes Wild? Uh, no, Alf. Or, <laughs> Alf Goes Wild. Alf Goss Wilden. Oh, okay. but I said Alf Goes Wild. <laughs> Dude, I don't know, man. I like Alf Goes Wild. <laughs> Me that too. VHS, this that is VHS Alf tape. <laughs> so this is. <laughs> We're watching TV at 11 like, yeah, PM. whatever, man. Sounds great. Alf goes wild. Right. Uh, hey. April 18th. Have you got any cats? Cats. Um, <laughs> he doesn't say cats. <laughs> April 18th, 2002. Have you ever known someone who you knew you knew would walk away? Every time you took them back, they would change their mind and turn their back. So you make your peace with distance, but it's not so easy to forget as much as this person weighs on your heart you're not foolish enough to let them in again it was new year's eve and she was wrapped around me brine was playing music from my computer cautioners comes on she's sleeping on my on me as i sit on the couch party around me i tell brian i won't ever forget this moment i knew it was over before it began i knew her path regardless of how i felt so I took the night as it came and watched her walk away and never forgot. That's what Alf Goss Wilden or Alf Goes Wild says. <laughs> Alf Goes Wild. Um, it's funny. I do, you know, like, um, 
there was definitely a like a a time in my probably my senior year of high school where it was like i don't know when we were in high school we didn't have parties we had kickbacks you remember the you, you ever oh, yeah. have a kickback yeah i don't know what the difference was i guess the idea was that you just didn't tell all that many people yeah um, but a, a bunch of people gathering. would come over you didn't usually have a bunch of people over but it wasn't a party it was a kickback and um yeah there would always be like the one or two that like would go all night and then you'd like like cuddle with a girl or be like with a girl but only for that night and then you almost never even saw each other again or something like that that's the type of uh that's what that comment sort of brings to mind there yeah yeah that wasn't uh i was a late bloomer so that wasn't high school for me that was just getting into i think i was at more applebee's definitely at applebee's (laughs) definitely at applebee's (laughs) um wise guy um on the music uh, subreddit says cautioners is a drum driven ballad laden with clean guitar noodling which makes for a great late night song love when people recognize the appropriate times to listen to music right <laughs> yes uh you have anything times of the year before i get to, uh, uh yeah i got a couple here. of a couple of questions four years ago from boy burns gray uh cautioners live has anyone ever seen them play cautioners live so this must have been the dry the dry season it uh, seems unlikely that they would to me, but I love that song. And if they busted it out in front of me from time to time, I think the crowd would react well to it. And uh, what does anyone say? What do the people say? They, uh, I don't think they've played it since 2011 when they played Bleed American in full. Um, I have yet to see it live, but they have played it at least 30 times, 31 times, as noted here on Setlist FM. Uh, so I'm glad they brought it back. Uh, random poll from Exile on Dayton Street. Cautioners versus Claire. David, out of... How many votes? 132 votes. Where do you think the votes lie with with Cautioners and Claire? 120 for Cautioners and 12 for Claire. Wow. You were right with Cautioners winning, just by not uh, by that degree. <laughs> not uh, cautioners the landslide that I gave it. <laughs> <laughs> but 90 to 42. Still, I mean, I'd say Cautioners is a solid. It's doubled Claire. Uh. Yeah, so that wins out. And then, let's see, here we go. Oh, uh, bro, can we get last right of the night on Goliath? I was thinking of this person the other yes. day. Don't we all? I think it was when I, mean, I was we should, we doing last right of the night on Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> last right of the night. <laughs> yeah. Bro, I love it. Uh, what's the most <laughs> emotional slash passionate Jimmy World song? Typically, Jim sings with the most passion in the bridge. And some songs with really powerful bridges that I can think of are Dizzy and Kill, but I'm sure I'm missing a lot. And then Chippersaurus 99, uh, song singular, well, obviously 23, as that goes without even saying. Always Be, The World You Love, Cautioners, and The End Is Beautiful are some of my favorite songs that hit me hard. I try not to listen to Hear You Me, as that's way too special of a song that's only listened to live, as you can get away from it once you can see that acoustic come out. <laughs> Jim sure knows how to play the audience. <laughs> yep. And then here we go. Oh, gosh. And I should have I should have uh, finished with that one. Uh, Greveling 89, worst lyric from the band. And where does uh, Cautioner show up in here? Uh, think 180 do. As much as I love Cautioners, I wish they had took more time with the first verse because it's a bit too stalker-ish. I watched you go from left to right. I followed you all night across my blinds. And then JG429 chimes in. That is pretty creepy. 
To which Dudeman four five six seven eight nine says it's supposed to be creepy. I think uh, that's a lyric. I never knew what he said. Obviously, the rest of it's all. But across my blinds, never occurred to me as being the word. Me neither. Like, what did I think he said? I, I think it, I just mumbled it. It was like I watched you go from left to right. I followed you all night. Very clear. Well, does he? But he goes, across and then I think I just mumbled the rest. My blinds. <laughs> like I don't even think he, he was saying. He goes across my blinds, but like, yeah, I don't know what I ever thought he said. <laughs> yeah, I just kind of tuned out for that half of a second. I like the other one because he says, "I miss you." I was like, "Yeah, I know that one." <laughs> uh, and um, that is that is all that I have, man. All right, the last one I've got. This is the JTO number. <laughs> it's Perfect. two numbers. It's two numbers. Got it. Not single digits. I don't know how to get you to say this number. But you do. Let's get me We there. are in this decade of our lives. Oh, so uh, the 30th. Uh, yes. So thir- number 30, 30 on JTO O'Donnell's <laughs> list. Yeah. Cautioners, Bleed American 2001. Cautioners is perhaps Bleed American's most underrated song. It's the only one this band could have pulled off at this particular time in their history. It took the innovation they'd explored on Clarity and mixed it with the polish of Bleed American. That super cool drum effect that Zach created, no doubt with Trombino's guidance. And the lyrics of Longing make it a classic. It also happens to be one of my favorite Jimmy World songs to play on the guitar. Also, shortly after I fell in love with Bleed American, I was sitting in a study hall one day and someone had left a note with the lyrics to the chorus of cautioners and a very ornate design on the floor i wish i figured out who that person was but it was good to know that it wasn't that i wasn't the only person in school who felt strongly about the band also also in 2007 the band played a hometown show in mesa that was recorded via the soundboard and included a truly phenomenal acoustic version of cautioners for which i can't find a link you'll just have to trust me that it was amazing so there's that. I don't know that we have that in our uh, our quiver. Did you find a 2007 board record acoustic version? Uh, no, I didn't. Hmm. I'm gonna take a look for that. Okay. Uh, well, uh, so that is Jake T. O'Donnell's number 30 on his list. Um, How did we not come anything? across that? I saw some live performances, but there weren't a lot. I didn't see any with Jim yeah. um, and an acoustic though. Let's let me do a quick my version of the search. So uh, behind the curtain here, I uh, we're recording the night after mm-hmm. and I did not uh, do my research. Uh, and we are uh, very much just trying to get <laughs> the episode together. But I see a version of Jim playing it acoustically in 2007, but not in Mesa. Um, but we can take a listen. Yeah, to let's that. listen to that. See, it's probably gonna be a similar performance. Um well, let's go ahead before I before I really jump into that. Uh, let's go in order. Let's listen to Mississippi Nights. Let's listen to them play it in two thousand and one. This is in Missouri. This is September sixteenth, two thousand one. Let's hear what this sounds like.
I dig this. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> Is Rachel singing with them? Sick. Could be, yeah. Gotta be. time for the bridge man hey mercedes opened for them so it could be i believe hey mercedes vocalist is female no looks like they're all dudes all dudes all dudes Man, I know it's so good. I'm bound and determined to figure out who's singing with them here. I'm just gonna go ahead and say that it was uh, Rachel. Yes. Sounds like the record to me. Yeah, um, so that is uh, that's in 2001, which wow. Um, here they are, uh, or Jim is in 2007. This is acoustic. Let me actually put this in uh, watch together. Is this the Milwaukee right, is somebody on theater? stage singing with him? My guess is this is Maria Taylor, um, who I found another video of, and maybe I don't need to play it because this version exists. If this doesn't sound great, I have a second video with her. Yep, it's Maria Taylor. Let's see who Maria Taylor is. American singer-songwriter. Asia Ray. Oh, so this came oh, up in that interview on Absolute Punk in 2007. Yeah. yeah. Okay. This is pretty tinny. Let me play the other version. See if it's any better. Oh, 
uploaded by Texas Adventures. It's like everyone's singing along here. Yeah. Oh, what a fun crowd. Yeah, man. That was fun. Mm. All right. Lastly, this is a version from September of 2021. This is the latest version that I believe that they've ever done the song. Uh, I have to jump to three minutes because it's the middle and cautioners. So that means they played cautioners after the middle. And I feel like I vaguely remember this being a big deal. Like when people were there and they're like, well, they played a song after the middle. So let's let's listen to the end of the middle here. They're leaving the stage. House lights are still not up. That is interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting that they would play the middle and not. Obviously, the house lights didn't come on, so this was a planned encore after the middle. Yeah. Now, this is September 2021, so it's very likely, like, one of the first shows back. feel like we're there this is uploaded by memory lane it sounds good too sounds very uh, spread out so bottle rock after dark at ace of spades september 4th 2021 amazing one of my favorite tracks is coffner says brianna d They're getting restless. <laughs> Dude, Jesus Christ. Like I said, we're learning some songs that we don't normally do. This is a weekly American song we don't normally play for you guys. So I'm interested in seeing how Zach plays it. Justin's in the audience. (laughs) 
Robin. I assume, yeah, I assume it's Robin. There's somebody's yeah. head in the way. Yep, there it is. My hair is kind of doing the Robin thing right now. I gotta get a haircut. He's just writing that one note. Yeah, I do. From me. <laughs> I can Sick. speak like this. That was well, great. Okay, we'll do the rest of the episode like this. Um, I was gonna, you had mentioned the <laughs> instrumental version has all kinds of more trombino. Oh well, no. I was just going to say. I'm sorry. What I meant was, of all the tracks, this one has extra. Got it. Okay. Trombine. I see the instrumental of this track has. I got it because there is an instrumental version that I have. (laughs) 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 All right. Um, covers. That's all you, baby. I didn't pull anything. All right, dude. Let's do this. All right. I'm going to pick. There were. I mean, some tracks I look at and go, "There's not going to be a whole bunch of uh, covers for these." This track. This one was uh, one of those that uh, <laughs> threw me for a loop when I looked at how many freaking tabs I had to open and listen through. Uh, <laughs> because there's so many, we're going to work our way down from the top to the bottom with just my highlighted green songs. Uh, I got one from each little section here. Uh, so let's start with what I consider electronic slash other. This is Matt Ballenbach. We have listened to Matt's stuff in the past. I'm going to put this and watch together so you can see this. It's just a screen, but it's very familiar. We have watched Matt's stuff. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. He got his own <laughs> band camp. <laughs> Hell yeah. So deep, man. Big booty bass. <laughs> So deep, put that ass to sleep. <laughs> the time I would spend with pictures I would not send. I watched you go from left to right. Mm, some nice harms. I don't know what it is about this track because it came out in 2001 and I didn't go to see some mm-hmm. until 2005, four. But this this song just gives me CSUN, uh middle of 2000 mm. vibes. I don't know what it is. Like it makes me think of, hey, there's this guy Duke Nuke 12 uh, on uh, AIM. I just chatted with him. That kind of time <laughs> was like the early days of, <laughs> yeah, man. of listening to this music and chatting with you. Uh yeah, okay, so that's Matt Ballenbach. And then have a couple of people in Coosty Country. There are a total of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. 
15 Coosties. Um, but I picked Whoa. just three of these that we want to highlight. One of which I have I have followed this guy, and about a year ago I noticed he stopped kind of posting videos. Um, but he was trying to build out his channel. He has really good – he practices guitar so much that he's just got great technique. But he also has these really kick-ass covers. So this is Dustin Prins uh, covering Cautioners. Nice. Playing in his attic. I remember this name. We've seen him before. Yeah. I think he's not wearing shoes. I don't know how I no, feel about not. that. No, he's not. Well. I don't know. Would you rather have him or Long Sock from my so-called 90s band? <laughs> the time I would spend With pictures I would not send Watch you go from left to right, follow you all night across the blinds. You'll change your mind come Monday and turn your back on me. You'll take your steps away with hesitance You'll take your steps away from me Yeah, man, his, his mm-hmm. I guess that's flat picking technique. He's got a couple of songs, if you watch his stuff, that's uh, very impressive. But does a ton of covers. When I really want inspiration for getting out here to play a song or something on acoustic, I'll watch one of his. Because it's like you listen nice. to it and it sounds like, I can do that reverb. I can make mine sound <laughs> like that. So it's just, it's very inspirational. So that was Dustin Prince. Ah, our man Spencer, Blue Afternoon. Oh, sick. Yes. Yeah, Blue Afternoon here. From that same set I think we watched in the past. Just the one channel. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I had to yeah, message. Baby. I had to message him. <laughs> but man, it's been a, it's been a while since I've uh, since I've chatted with him. So I just wanted to let You're him so know that we're watching up with people. <laughs> just you know, I have to do it when I think about it, or else I forget about it. I'm going to forget about for sure. messaging him if I don't do it right now. 
<laughs> All right, last one for Coos- podcast sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the uh, the Texas Duke, kick ass Duke. This is Duke, the Texas Duke. Yeah. Let's listen to this. This song's by Jimmy World. It's called Cautioners. Hell yeah. When you're on. <laughs> the chords right with this track it's just yeah. it's heavenly yeah hearing jim play so, it on <laughs> they're uncommon chords so it's yeah fun to hear you think them. it's no no this is going to be a major and then it's going to go to like c sharp minor or something no it's not it's like a c major seven or an f minor <laughs> nine add five and it's like a simple chord for him you go he just so effortlessly effortlessly plays these chords uh we, we yeah. did the same thing with uh authority song right yeah. And realizing that in the bridge, the chords yeah. are just not simple chords. Yeah. And damn it. So good. God uh, damn it. There was, not, there was not a lot of great stuff. Well, I don't want to say that. There wasn't a lot of different stuff in the drums category, except Adventure Drums, which I had at the top of my list. And my note is, sounds like Zach. <laughs> yeah. So he, he was emulating that sound. He creating his own stuff. So it's the same video that yeah, Zach saw. Um, there were a few other ones, but because this is electronic, it's the same. There weren't a lot of people noodling around. It was the same. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so there wasn't much, uh, let's listen to one bassist. I got one bassist. This is the Nashville bassist. Uh, my, my issue with this was, uh, volume level. Let's see how it sounds. Got a nice picture of Rick as the title card. Nice. All right, let's see what. I think I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've seen this kid before. Yeah. Ride that gain. I think it's the Pete Wentz fan. Is it? Oh, I think so. Yeah, um, Pete Wentz. I guess the bass doesn't come in for a while. Uh, it's such a flex. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to like jump ahead, though. That performed tequila on American Idol or whatever. Tequila. I. Here we go. Cross 
Let's hear the walk up. So he's got it in drop D. Yeah, I think so. God, look at that vibration on that string, man. Power cables. <laughs> Alright, go back to that major, man. Sounds pretty clean. Sounds pretty mm-hmm. clean. I had to boost the levels a little bit, but I liked it. Nashville bassist. Basis. Nashville. All right. And then I have a few play alongs, one of which is a uke. Me dog has fleas. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I, there was two. I saw uke. a couple ukes. I was excited to hear them. Yeah. There were a couple of them. All right. This one, this is one I didn't realize was a uke because it's a play along, but still. I, know. Uh, I never would have. I never would have thought of a, ca- a capoed uke. Yeah. Guy knows what he's doing. I like the noodles. Wow. Yeah. just doesn't have that ukulele sound i'm used to hearing the high stuff yeah but it has like an interesting sound it's cool i wonder if that's a tenor or a a bass maybe bass yeah there we go this is beautiful yeah man He's augmenting these chords. Yeah, super good. I love what he he did with that. Wow. Okay. Um, let's do this backwards now. I'm in the full band category. I'm going to go with... Um, Oh, oh, Dame sucks. Let's try this one. Were these just a couple people? Let's see. This was an interesting one. Uh, Costner's cover at Old Ironsides, 8 10 2013. Song sure has a long intro. I forget about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me jump ahead here. She's not playing uh, singing like Robin. Yeah, right. 
What are the, all the instruments they have on stage? There's some interesting sounds happening. That just that, that one sounds like an electric guitar that they're just kind of bending, doing a couple of bendies. Yeah. It sounds cool though. Maybe they have the yeah, attack man. off, and it just sounds very uh. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, swear man, you're right. This song is a vibe. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this is a cool one. This was Landon Jones acoustic, uh, but with a full band behind him. Oh yeah, I saw this guy's pretty yeah. face. There you go. decided to cover a song I used to love growing up. The song is called Cautioners, as originally played by Jimmy World. More covers on the way whenever I find the time. You'll change your mind come Monday And turn your back on me I dig his voice. Yeah. Dude, Master Betty Guitars uh, thanked me for telling her how much he killed uh, uh, yeah. on Sunday. Master Betty kicked kicked ass. Or no sensitivity, not a Sunday. No sensitivity. Yeah, that was last night's. Yeah. So there you have uh, Landon Jones. He um, looks like a Landon. That's he the does. Most Landon looking dude I ever seen. <laughs> Picture a Landon, but don't look at the playlist for the episode yet. Picture a Landon in your head. Then go look at the playlist. It's exactly yeah. that picture. <laughs> that's that's Landon. Landon. Okay, I got uh, two more. Uh, these are full bands. I'm going to start with one that you and I were talking about at the beginning of this episode. I was wondering if it was coming. Before, uh, and this was the better of the two, even though it does cut out a little bit. Uh, this is the main covering cautioners at the Berlin Comic Club. That we're going to attempt to fuck up their song. They're, they're from Arizona as well. They're called Jimmy Eat World. And, uh, song's called Cautioners. Uh, it's kind of a relaxing song. Don't fall asleep, please. It's <laughs> buzzed by Julie 28511. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, they kind of bring it up a little bit, huh? 
makes me so happy that one of my favorite bands covered a song I already love. I love their rendition of it. Now, what would be cool is if they do this at the show in October. Yeah. And Jimmy World covers a main song. Yes. They need to do more cross mojination. I know Jim's all for it. I know our good friend Jim doesn't listen to the pod. But... Is that where the channel yeah, c- cuts out? Yeah. It's, it's like her strange. thumb went over one of the speakers or something. Yeah. did a good mm-hmm. uh, all right the very last one i have is the weight of atlas i think if you search cover they come up uh first as one of the top results uh this is pretty sweet uh seems like there's a little bit of some people that just don't like it let me jump but i like it i feel like it's its own thing Sort of like that that cut, that crop, David. It looks like he's uh, doing something with his hands, man. <laughs> Disturbing. I mean, that'd be my one critique to the person doing the video. <laughs> it's ultra wide. Do you think they get harder? The weight of Atlas Metalcore cover of Costner's all streaming platforms. There it is. Now, where did you see people that didn't like it? I thought there was some in the comments. Well, I mean, no, it's all love. I'm sort of skimming them. It's like, yeah, yeah, this ain't for me. And I don't really think that the the bridge is working for me. But it's definitely their own. <laughs> yeah, right. Give them credit for that. 
So yeah. there you have it. Those are the uh, the top picks from uh, Justin B. Miller as far as covers go. Um, Hell yeah. I do also have a... We haven't heard one of these in a while. This is I should have played this when we were doing the, the songs themselves. A uh, a nice decor. Oh. Oh, my God. So the intro is now even longer. <laughs> I'll let you jump ahead here. <laughs> It sounds like what we just listened to. You take your steps away. Kind of dig it, yeah. I, I can dig, dig it. it. Yeah. Um, did you happen to do a rave DJ? I certainly tried, but it's just <laughs> sitting there cued. Um, but it's called a cautioner's chorus, and <laughs> maybe I'll play it next week. <laughs> I couldn't get it to go. I love it's it. Man. Literally been been going since we played. Since uh. Jim was talking about how they were the same chord progression and everything, <laughs> it's just been sitting here. Damn it. Okay, well, this uh, one is called, uh, I'm sure, because we were talking about this band yesterday, uh, Cautioner's Canyon Bridge. Oh, nice. Yeah, we'll see I if this... I dusty yeah. Let's hope it works now. I was going to say, did you listen to it? <laughs> By Jimmy World Topic and Death Cab for Cutie Topic. That's pretty cool. I, it is kind of cool. It's kind of all over the place, but. <laughs> it's, just... <laughs> it just falls apart, man. They just went to the. They said the quiet part out loud, man. They went to the yeah. end first. <laughs> oh, man. I definitely just... think the songs are very similar vibes, though, for sure. Yeah. I would. I think that was a good choice. That thank you didn't work out. Execution got an F. Yeah, it's not gonna save itself. In fact, it's probably gonna switch back right about now. No. And then, like, it's one of those things where it's sped up, but somehow Jim's voice is pitched down. <laughs> it's just yeah, it gets, it's a mess, um, and it, it gets stuck on that part that's kind of like dig 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 dig. Yeah, dig. I know that, that's like not when I think of that song, that's not like a main part of the song. That me neither. Yeah, and that's why I picked it. But uh, rave DJ thought it was different. Yeah, rave anyway. DJ was like, no, nah, this is the part that you want. Yeah, this is the banging part. Justin, what are your final thoughts on the song "Cautioners" by the band Jimmy? Oh Gere? man, this it, it's a slow cooker. This one, if you don't catch it, it will uh, fly right underneath your radar. Uh, I love this song. It, I, it, had, it grew on me. I did not like it at first. I thought it was that, like you said, 555, five, five, the outlier, but not for a good reason. I just felt like it, it didn't fit. 
But now I see exactly why it's placed where it was. And uh, knowing all these sounds underneath makes it even that much more incredible, man. I love it. What about you? Yeah, it's a grower, not a shower for sure. I think I've always <laughs> loved this song, though. Um, but what's funny is because the, the title is has nothing to do with the song, I never would have been able to tell you what song this was. Yeah. Um, and uh, But maybe I'll remember now. And I at least for sure now will know uh, across my blinds. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> um, so that that's worth the price of admission alone. So, uh, yeah, what Absolutely. a great... Uh, what a great song fun episode can't wait for everybody to hear the interview that's coming after this um and uh you know uh, be careful out there and uh be uh, we should let us all be cautioners while we continue down the road of life and be excellent <laughs> to each other and party on dudes ladies and gentlemen one of my all-time favorite collaborators songwriters this is this is uh when i very i don't think i talk too much about my musical past other than i I do mention people mover a lot uh this is the man behind the knobs of people mover among a zillion other things that i'm sure we'll talk about on the podcast but i want to welcome my very good friend andrew capra to the podcast welcome andrew hey thanks for having me yeah man uh, so uh, one through line is that Justin and I know Addison. Addison comes up on the show a lot. And y- <laughs> you also know Addison. Everybody knows Addison. Um, the audience yes. knows Addison without actually having met him yet. Um, but we're planning on getting him on the show very soon. Um, so one thing I think that we always sort of a touch point that we went back to, I feel like a lot on People Mover was jimmy eat world and their sort of sonic palette and how they could obviously have a great rock and song but how they really crafted specifically songs like cautioners um and 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 created something that elevated the genre in some ways um so you being a songwriter record producer uh i thought we could take a moment to converse specifically about the song cautioners and a song like cautioners on a record like bleed American and how it stands out because this song does uh, mm-hmm. in many ways stand out uh, on this episode. We're recording a few weeks before we'd done the research, but I recall, and maybe you've seen this. It's probably been a long time. There was a documentary that came out with the record bleed American and they sit they're in the studio. I think at sunset sound talking with Mark Trombino on camera about some of the sounds that they created for this record and the palm muted guitar in the intro of this song in particular is so different and out of left field for a record that opens with a song like bleed American. And uh, so I assume maybe that was something that drew you to the song or what, what other elements of this song uh, stuck out to you? You know, the record, I was just so blown away by the record, but um, this song, you know, Cautioners manipulates digital recording or Cautioners is made by digital recording. It is one of the first kind of marks of pro tools. I think that I've, you know, that I heard at the time and it's really, you know, it's they're masters of their craft. Like Mark really and Jim by taking something that could easily be, that could be played and have, you know, quote unquote humanity to it, but taking that out to make this very almost like rhythmic engine 
thing that keeps going through the whole song. Um, and then to put the lyric that it, that it did over it, I just remember like sitting on the floor of my room and going, wow, like it was just so widescreen and beautiful. And so on a record like Bleed American, Cautioners, I think, was just such an exciting left turn and then a great marker of things to come. Like there were those kind of moments on future records and they often end up being my favorite. Yeah, we touch on that a lot. Like surviving their latest record has mm-hmm. the song 555, if you're familiar. And it's yeah. a synth song. Like it it it, it ha- they live they play it acoustic, but um it's it's a completely synth driven song. And so because that's our most recent touch point, I like to call songs like Cautioners the 555 of that record. And uh and this definitely feels like that where they they really experimented uh mm-hmm. and um and and I think you you hit the nail on the head with with uh how they digitally manipulated yet still kept it grounded. Um and yeah. So uh that's the that's the overall hey, we hit uh, a touch point on cautioners. I wanna let's step back to the macro and and talk to you. You're a songwriter. Um and a record producer and all those things. How far back do you want to go so we can give your <laughs> give your career and and I'll probably end up giving you more gravitas than you want me to. Um, but uh, um, do you want to go all the way back to the Brave Citizens <laughs> era or uh, or and and work your way forward? Uh, well, how can we talk about your your experience in the music industry and as a songwriter? Well, I think even going further back. I mean, I started my first band in high school and I picked up a guitar. I really wanted to learn how to play guitar. I was just like playing classical piano stuff. And my parents are like, you're going to, you know, throw away our money if you start playing guitar because we spent all this money on piano lessons. I was like, no, I want to rock and roll. where are you in the world at this time? I'm in San Francisco and I am just like a freshman or eighth grade. And um, I had just like saved up 200 bucks and bought an Ibanez guitar and I heard MXPX and I figured out how to contort my hand into playing a bar chord. And I was like, yes, this is great. We're <laughs> off to the races here. And then shortly after that is when Bleed American came out. And I just remember that time being such an impactful time. So much was happening in the world at that time. And I was just like songs were just pouring out of me as a kid with like no filter who was just hearing all these exciting records, like my high school band, I wrote two full lengths and like an EP at least, and then some other singles and stuff. Um, Then went to college in LA, started a band called Hope Field, played in that for a few years. And then as a side project from that, started a group called Brave Citizens, which was like a dorm room project my senior year because everyone was like off studying abroad. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go record a record on my inbox, which was just like, the two channel pro tools thing that you could have at the time. And I made a whole EP for like 300 bucks. Like we only paid to master it, Adam and I, and we just made, did the rest of it ourselves. We just stuck amps in closets and cut vocals wherever we could. And that was the start of that phase. Um, and then that record, that EP took me a lot of awesome places. Like we got to tour around and play with awesome bands and live in a van for months and months. And it was around that time that I, met uh you and addison or towards the end of that um era um and so brave citizens was kind of like a spacey indie rock meets pop punk or whatever it is at that intersection like i was just kind of 
I wanted to stretch out and make like more ambient stuff, but still have the rocking thing going. Yeah. And so, yeah, we did some warp tour stuff and, and did that whole thing. And it was just a really fun ride. Yeah. Um, but then, um, yeah. Do you want me to keep going after that? Or is that what I you're love looking it. for? I, oh, I'm eating it up because like, <laughs> these are the things like, I don't know, like when you hang out, you almost never ask these types of questions, these leading mm-hmm. questions that a general audience might. So I'm sort of hearing a lot of this stuff for the first time, but I love hearing, I love hearing that MXPX touch point, right? Mm-hmm. I too grew up here over in uh, Westchester over by the airport playing classical piano, wanting so bad. I was playing Blink songs on the piano because I <laughs> wanted so bad to play rock music, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I finally convinced my dad to take me to a pawn shop and buy a bass. And that was it, like a Blink-182 touch point. And mm-hmm. it takes you so far. And like, uh, I, I would like to think that even you, like still like when MXPX releases a new song, it's like, there's that moment where you just go in the car and drive listening to mm-hmm. whatever this new it may not be on your daily playlist but it's always sort of in your life the music from sort of this scene this genre always and you know i've been going back and and re-listening to a lot of it recently and then i have you to thank a few years ago for showing me uh menzingers and a couple other bands like that i mean i heard menzingers after the party and it just like rocketed me back to that and like i practically cried listening to that record. It was so cathartic. Yeah. yeah. And I realized like how how ingrained like in the fabric of me musically that music is. And it's like kind of easy to say now, but like I just I figured, oh, I'm so far from that. And I was just such a kid and I was just writing these songs that were kind of dumb and I was so emotive at the time. But like no, like it, it made me everything that I am now too. Yeah. Um and I just remember those experiences like taking the bus, like, you know, just an hour to get to like a tower records, um, to pick up, like tell all your friends. I remember that. And like, I so vividly remember driving to pick up Deja and Tendu at the time. Yeah. And I just was stunned by those records. And we talk a lot too about that, those times, right. When, like, I remember the first time I heard tell all your friends, I was at a borders music and I went to the (laughs) listening station where you could scan the barcode of the CD and it would play you snippets of the songs. And I specifically scanned that CD because it said four fans of, it was like Further Seems Forever and Dashboard Confessional, I think were both on that that hype sticker and some other band. And that was like the way you discovered something new because I didn't mm-hmm. know a ton of people in my school that were listening to music in that genre. And I was like, there has to be more than, yeah. I knew there was more than Blink-182 and NoFX. But mm-hmm. how do I search for that on Napster? You know, like I didn't know. So that the music, the record store still had that value. And um, and it, it's just funny that you mentioned Tell Your Friends because I vividly remember listening to that at Borders. Like, oh, wow, this is good. And then the bummer was if you didn't take notes, your dad's like, oh, we got to go. I didn't know the name of that band for two years. I think I <laughs> found them when they opened for Boxcar Racer. And wow. I was like, oh, this is that band. They have that song. And then mm-hmm. I remember, you know what I mean? It's, a, it's just such a cool, cool cultural touchstone. And then just uh, from being a fan of your work, and I always thought of you as more of a like a, a mature songwriter than I was in, in the sense that like I was always in the back of my mind. You, you kind of like can 
can take your friend group and be like, oh, this person would probably be into this record. And in my mind, I think the way I pitched the Menzingers to you specifically was like, it's as if Bruce Springsteen were in a pop punk band. Because the songwriting, the lyrical, the lyrics on that record in particular felt storytelling like Bruce Springsteen, but it felt so rooted in what we came from, right? And so I was like, mm-hmm. I think Andrew's probably going to be into that. It, it, it made it, it felt like a, a win for me that that you took to that record. So that was so cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a mega fan now. I even I subscribe to their Patreon. Like I'm in, man. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, but that's it, and I'm such a nostalgia freak you know and that record just like nailed i just i had been trying to find the words i feel like my songs that i write i'm always like looking back five to eight years like i don't have the words usually to describe what i'm going through at the time and but then after some time away i could finally write songs about it and so like i was at this period where i finally could talk about like you know five to eight years ago and 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 i just think and yeah, the Menzingers came at that time where I was just starting to pull apart, like leaving San Francisco and like moving out and being 17 and, and like, you know, riding my longboard around LA and stuff. And so, yeah, it was yeah. just, it was super cool. So, yeah, you know, and, and Jimmy world was a part of all that too. And, you know, like I, I really could mark my life by a few bands records, like, like a timeline and Jimmy world brand new further seems forever. Those are really like, my core that I just kind of gauge periods by. Absolutely. So, and and so now starting to move more into the micro, let's, uh, that's the scene at large, Jimmy world. What was your first exposure to them and how, how did that sort of relationship cultivate? Um, you know, I had, I had a lot of kind of pop punky, punky friends at school who were just like burning CDs at the time. And it was right around like, I remember at the time, I also got like hybrid theory at that time. It had just come out. Didn't we all? Yeah. <laughs> it was either friends with burn CDs or Columbia music uh, where you get 12 CDs for a penny or something. <laughs> I had that. And I was also like a good youth group kid. So I had like the Christian catalog. So I was like a tooth and nail head for sure. Um, and I got all the samplers. So I was into further and, and under when under oath came out, I remember that. But Jimmy world though, I heard, like someone had just burned the CD in its entirety. And so I actually didn't hear the middle first, which I'm kind of glad I didn't. Um, I heard the opener. I heard Bleed American first. And as soon as I heard that, I thought, I'm in. This this intro, yeah. like... What a what an album opener. Like, how dare they open a record like that? <laughs> it was just perfect. And like my, my adrenaline just spiked and it was just so exciting and so then I really um, like dug into the record and spent time with it. And then, you know, my favorite records were those kind of journey records where it was just big, big peaks and valleys um, and just like really concentrated emotional stuff. And that record had all of it. And I remember disliking very little of it. It was like a front to back kind of record for me. Yeah. And that was the era where, like, yeah, you had your CD booklet and, you know, uh, it was easier to just pop it in and listen to it all the way through than, like, be like, okay, now I want to pop in Hybrid Theory and listen to two songs and all that stuff. Um, It was more important, I feel like, to create that sort of journey, uh, Mm -hmm. especially. It it was really was, like, sort of like a, a really important moment for music and everything was sort of firing on all cylinders, uh, 
uh, and it was like right before the end of the big the big record labels and uh, and and money being behind these things. Even though the band recorded this particular record on their own and chopped it around, as opposed to had capital behind them, which is a cool uh, story. So, uh, Bleed American, that's your that's your intro, and you're and you're sort of hooked at that point. Uh, as time has gone on, and I I always preface this because I feel like it it puts a lot of pressure on people. If I were asking Andrew today, what's your favorite Jimmy Eat World record? Do you have an answer to that? Do you have a, I'm going to reach for this? If I had to take one on a desert island, it's probably Futures. Um, to me, that record is just masterful front to back. Um, and in just a no skips. It I love how it is recorded. Um, I just love so much about that record. Um, yeah. But... Jimmy World is one of those bands that I I think, yeah, I, I'm not afraid to skip around in the catalog. And I feel like every record has like at least two stunning songs that I end up wearing out. Usually they're the ballads, but uh, but yeah, I, and I go back and forth between. Yeah. And uh, and along the same lines, what's your at this moment, your favorite Jimmy World song where I to. uh gun to your head <laughs> just at this very moment it's probably dizzy yeah um dizzy was another one where i heard the intro and i thought oh my god <laughs> and he came in and sang you know you close your eyes and oh yeah and then you blow it and you and i'll close your eyes kiss your, kiss hand, your and you, hand and you blow it and it's like what who who says this <laughs> and it isn't meant for me and i noticed and i thought oh my god <laughs> You know, yeah. yeah. Um, you should have heard us on that episode, <laughs> just analyzing the lyrics and just being like, "Dude, who who writes like this? Come on!" <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's awesome, but yeah, I, I mean, the, there's there's so much in that catalog. I just really, I just got into surviving. Um, there's some songs in there I really love, like "Delivery" is a great song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, yeah, on that on that uh, ballady tip for sure. Yeah, they really do create a nice sonic landscape with their mm-hmm. ballads. Their rockin' songs are great, and they can be 100% like two guitars, bass, drums, vocals, make a great song that way. But when they really play with the sonic palette, they really play. They really go all out. Yeah, um, and it's un- and maybe an unpopular opinion, but I love the very produced-sounding Jimmy World stuff, like... I it took me a long time to get into clarity and I'm a late bloomer on that stuff and like static prevails. Yeah. And the band would agree that you're not in the minority. Like the, the when that record came out it flopped and they lost mm-hmm. their record label. You know what I mean? Like but mm-hmm. now it's largely considered, you know, uh, their technical masterpiece for having accomplished what they did and that being only really their second record, mm-hmm. second full record. Um Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's a uh, that that's a uh, that's an incredible journey, and don't we all love the band more for it? So uh, now, uh, since your LA songwriting days, you've packed up. <laughs> this is old hat and old news to you, but uh, you, you had lived in LA for a while, and uh, you and your wife moved out to Tennessee, and now you're songwriting full time, which is just mm-hmm. like it, in my mind, I understand that every every you know, 
gig is uh is a tough gig but that's living the dream dude that's like taking the leap and uh and doing it i love seeing you do it that's great um talk about sort of what went what was your journey to making that leap and how's it been you know so there was a point when i was in la and i I was trying to figure out my next steps and i was enjoying writing for myself as an artist and at that time I was doing, I had just done some solo stuff. I did like an LP and an EP and I was part of the hotel cafe scene and kind of doing the singer songwritery with a band kind of thing. That was a lot of fun. You were, you know, part of that era too. Um, Cause we did some stuff with people mover. Um, and, and I enjoyed that, but I wanted to get involved in an ecosystem. And I also wanted to be a part of a place where I could write outside of my own artist stuff. I think I got into a point where, um, you know, I enjoy, there's a, there's a freedom when you're not writing for yourself all the time because you, you know, your ego's kind of suppressed. Um, you're not thinking like, oh, would I say this? Is this like, are people going to think that I'm too poppy now or whatever? And like, I still feel that way about, you know, I always will have artist projects of my own, but I love writing for a variety of people. And I almost don't care the genre, uh, because it's fun and it's a challenge and I just love the craft of song, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and I, so this has been fun. Yeah. I I um I think of you a lot when I listen to the Song Exploder podcast, because especially when it's a song I'm unfamiliar with. I just listened to one. <laughs> it was a country artist who's in Nashville. And so always I'm like, I'm like, did Andrew write the song? Did Andrew? You know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, are they going to mention? But it is interesting hearing them talk about their songwriters. Oh, I went in. And I, it, th- this particular artist, I, d- I don't remember her name, um, said, I don't like to go into a writing session with no idea. I ha- I want to be able to contribute something. So I walked mm-hmm. in, played these four chords on a piano in the one key I know how to play on a piano because I own, I, I'm not a pianist, but I can, I can play in this one key. And, and hearing her talk through the collaboration of, here's a phrase I came up with. And the songwriter, in my mind, I'm putting you in that position, is saying, that's that what's cool already in the collaboration status is she came in with a, a phrase. Um, uh, it was humble. Gosh, what was it? Um, whatever it was, something humble. And the songwriter prompted her. What does that mean? And the girl came in not knowing what that meant. And that alone already starts the back and forth. And mm-hmm. I think of that's that's sort of your role is you you've been given a task to help shape somebody and it is sort of like a record producer's idea of like molding the idea but helping flourish that idea to the best that it could possibly be to a place that maybe the artist wouldn't have thought to get to Mm -hmm. with a prompt that maybe you would never have come up with because it's a different idea and that that it seems really fun every time i listen to a song exploder episode hearing that process sort of take place and so in my mind that's your sort of day in day out when you're in your songwriting sessions. It um, is. And I mean, I'm on the production side. I produce a lot of records, but I'm, I'm writing a ton. And, you know, I, I had a writing session yesterday and a guy brought in a title and he's like, I, you know, I think it's probably this way, you know, it could kind of go this breakup route. It's kind of this storyline, but I didn't hear it that way. I thought we could make it, a, it could actually be a f- positive fun song if you go this way with it. And there's like some back and forth and we do get out, you know, with just, you know, figuring out which is the best way to go. And, and I think that collaborative 
spirit, whether you love or hate country music, pop, whatever, like the reverence for the song and spending time just like sitting in a room, figuring out how you're going to write it is so different than the way I used to like in bands and stuff where I kind of just like followed this trail of metaphor and I kind of came up with meaning along the way and I kind of picked things Thought, okay, that's cool. But there often wasn't like uh, an anchor to the the songs I was writing. And while I don't want to lose that, there is something really great about the way people in Nashville and, and other, you know, the incredible songwriters write. And it's very much from like, we're trying to get this point across the way to do this is we set up the story in this way. It's almost like writing a short story together. Um, and so I like to feel like I can draw from the poeticness of my time before and like my artist stuff, which I purposefully leave that way and untouched and I don't really co-write for my own stuff. And then I can go into these sessions and throw weird stuff out and and try and, you know, shake it up and, and add my own thing to it. Yeah, but probably subconsciously because it's been almost five years, if not. Mm-hmm. Already five years, right? Yeah. Um, it's probably worked its way into your songwriting and coming up with so many different... I imagine over the last five years, jumping in five, five years ago, let's call it, to now, you've probably adjusted and become more comfortable in your skin in that role and uh, mm-hmm. and and informed your writing in, in different ways that maybe here in LA or in San Francisco you might not have. A hundred percent. And... I'm grateful for it and I love it too. Like, you know, my project Stepsons, which is more my like rock project that I have. Some of the newer songs, even though they're actually very kind of emo and indie and or whatever you want to call it in that sense, like they do have like they are informed by some structure and there is some storytelling. Like there's a song Great Expectations, and it's about like going back to your hometown and like reconnecting with someone who kind of burned out and stayed there. And I and I definitely called on like all the tools that I've learned here to help tell that story in a a linear fashion so that you understood what was going on. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it's it's a process and and I'm going to kill myself trying to master it. But I I just love songs and the craft of writing. Yeah. Well, and that's why I wanted to have you on, because uh, uh, it talking about the lyrics, we, we rip apart. And it's interesting that you you had sort of touched on this. We rip apart the lyrics from sometimes there will be a bite, a sound bite from Jim that said, oh, this song is about this thing. But he's also quoted many, many, many times about not necessarily wanting to put that out into the world because mm-hmm. that colors people's experience with that song. And yep. you touched on your writing session when you were pitched, oh, I think it's a breakup song. Oh, it could be this. And we do that a lot, knowing mm-hmm. how... Jim doesn't like to make things necessarily always about one thing is Justin's more of a lyric man in that he'll he'll I listen to sort of more of the vibe of the song Mm -hmm. and then I'll pick apart the the really gut punchy lines and those will be what the song is about for me and I'll form everything else around it whereas he's going line by line this informed this because this was said earlier and so we will go back and forth and say he'll interpret something as it's from the girl's point of view and she is heartbroken because of this. And I'll be like, Oh, that's an interesting point of view because when I listen to the exact same song, I almost hear it as he is uh, maybe dealing with this from his past. You know what I mean? It's a completely different thing. And it's a, a, a finished produced song that we both mm-hmm. listen to in two different ways. So um, 
it's a it's a fun journey and having you on to sort of lend some form of uh domain knowledge around all of that and 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 that's the only problem with like if you're writing a song that's very like buttoned up and ironclad um and it's like it's about this and you're very like explicit in the lyrics and stuff then there's no real place for anyone to like kind of to like cast their their fishing hook in and like really dig in because it's somebody else's story and you have made it like you could have made it really universal. But I think where some of my favorite records and bands like Jimmy World do this, where some things are kind of not quite fully formed and obvious, and it you kind of goes where you're emotionally at at the time, um, or just you know, and I, th- I think that's interesting. And and in, you end up coming with stuff that's way more beautiful than like what Jim would say about the song, which is why I understand like so many artists don't want to talk about exactly what the song is about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Andrew, I really appreciate it. Where can people find you online uh, or in person if you're out playing shows? I see you all the time playing out, um, but I don't know if those are pop-ups or not. Yeah. I mean, I play a bunch of songwriter rounds in town. So those are just like a Nashville writers round where it's like you go back and forth and play songs on acoustic um, I do that all the time as just part of the songwriter scene here. Um, but my band is Stepsons, and that's at Stepsons Music. Um, and uh, there's some new music coming out there this summer. Just put out a song called Just a Heart. And then I'm Andrew E. Capra on the socials. And you can uh, follow along for pictures of guitars and coffee. And there you go. And the music video that you and Nate put out recently is so well done. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm so proud of my friends. Like, that's all nate it was so great new york it was the coldest day of the new york winter it was literally nine degrees and we were out the entire day filming i cannot believe i didn't get sick wow watching it back it doesn't read that way it looks like a great fun nice sunny day (laughs) (laughs) it was crazy but yeah i was so grateful nate's like hey just come on up and let's uh let's just make a video around town. He kind of like loosely like storyboarded it. And I just followed him around. We had the best day. Super fun. All right, dude. Well, thank you again for coming on. Um, uh, it's always fun to talk, catch up with you and specifically talk about Jimmy world. So thank you so much for having me.
flesh and blood You can't blame it For feeling what it's got Is never quite enough It's just a heart 